Thanks for joining us today for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. The church office is open Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 590 West Orange Avenue in El Centro, or call 760-337-9400 for information or for prayer. Christ Community Church has three campuses in El Centro, Brawley, and Calexico, plus a congregation in Spanish. As we navigate the end of the COVID-19 quarantine season and transition to in-person regathering, we encourage you to find up-to-date information about events and each campus's worship service schedule. When you follow us on social media, on our website at www.cccib.org, or simply download the CCCIV app, you'll find the direct link to the app at www.cccib.org forward slash get the app or when you text cccib app to 77977 so he's been seated in his car outside on the corner for what seems like hours palms of his hands are sweaty his mouth is dry he's trying to work up the courage to do something that he's been thinking about and even dreaming about for quite a while Finally, after sitting there for a little while, he gets out of the car, he walks into the yard trying to be as careful and as quiet as possible, and he finds a stone on the ground. He takes the stone, he throws it up at her window, but there's no response. He finds a second stone, he reaches down, he picks up that pebble, he throws it at the window and misses, no response. With a third stone, he picks up the stone, throws it at the window, and a light turns on. And a figure approaches the window, and he can see the silhouette of this person that he's been trying to gain the affections of for quite some time. She's standing right there, and she parts the curtains to see what's causing the noise. And there he stands down with a lump in his throat and a sign and a smile on his face. In this moment, he's put himself out there. He's put himself in a place of vulnerability. He's, he's really wearing his heart on his sleeve. And in this moment, this young lady in this window has the opportunity to either crush him or put a beaming smile upon his face. It all has to do with whether or not she chooses to respond to his invitation. Now, last week, Pastor Walter went through what the gospel is. And he was very clear, and Paul is very clear in the book of Rome. He says that, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God to everyone who believes. See, that word believes gives us a choice. The Lord is not one who will force himself upon you. He will not force himself upon me. He, he gives us the opportunity to choose whether or not we want to surrender to this amazing gospel. And really, we have a choice between the hope and the security and the peace and the, the future of the gospel or really the horror of God's wrath. That is the choice that we are left with. And much to my surprise, people day in and day out choose wrath over grace, choose wrath over the gospel. It makes no sense to me, but it happens every single day. And so what we're going to be looking at today in Romans chapter one, you should already be there, is we're going to see the stark contrast, the other side of the coin, the other choice, the other decision that you can make. You can choose Christ and the cross and the gospel, or you can choose God's wrath. So begin by reading with me in Romans chapter one. We're going to pick it up in verse 18. It says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men 
who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth for what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so that they are without excuse for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God nor give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened, claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. And let's stop there just for a moment. And what we're going to look at here is the, re the, the recipients of God's wrath. Those who choose God's wrath, why do they choose God's wrath? What is the condition of their heart that causes them to choose God's wrath? Understand this, that Jesus himself had a choice whether or not he was going to surrender and submit to the Father's will. That's what's so mind-blowing about what we see Jesus struggling in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before the cross. He's in agony, praying earnestly before the Lord. If there's any other way, God, let that happen. Like, take this cup from me. What is he talking about? What is he referring to here in this cup? He's referring to the cup of the wrath of God. We read in Psalm chapter 75, it says this in verse eight, for in the hand of the Lord, there is a cup with foaming wine, well mixed. He pours it out from it, or he pours out from it, and all the wicked of the earth shall drain it down to its dregs. They will drink the cup of God's wrath to its dregs. And so here at the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is faced with the prospect of drinking of the wrath of God that you deserved and that I deserved. There was a choice that was here. There was a choice for Jesus to surrender to the Lord's will, but also we are afforded a choice in this as well because we can choose the wrath of God in the form of a cup ourselves, or we can choose to place our hope and our trust in the finished work of the cross. Upon the cross, God poured out his wrath, his righteous indignation upon Jesus so that you and I could be spared. See, that's what that word wrath means in the Greek. It means God's righteous anger, his righteous indignation. And I don't want to stand before a God who will judge me in my sin. I want to stand before a God who will receive me into his arms. And the only way that can happen is if I choose today to place my hopes, my belief, my faith in the finished work of the cross. I have a choice between drinking of the cup or trusting in the cross. And to me, the choice is simple. The choice is easy. So the recipients of God's wrath in this text, Paul is very clear. The first thing he says, those who will receive the wrath, those who are, will be the recipients of this wrath are the ungodly. Now, in a very real sense, the word means godlessness. Those who live their life as though they will never be accountable to a God who will judge them, to a God who controls their destiny. Those who carry on about their daily business as though there's no one watching, as though there's no reason for them to make sure that they live a holy and righteous life, to live a godless life. That's who God's wrath is reserved for, the ungodly. Now think about this just for a second, because this word has to deal with, and it's alluding to our vertical relationship with the Lord, the relationship that we have with God. When Moses was delivered the 10 commandments, there were four commandments that had to deal with our vertical relationship, our relationship to God. And there were six commandments that dealt with our horizontal relationships, our relationships with other men. Here, this word ungodly is referring to that vertical relationship that we have with the Lord. And so let's take into account, what are some of these commandments? What are four of the commandments that God had very clearly said that he wanted us to make sure we maintain a healthy horizontal relationship with the Lord in doing. First is to love God with all of your heart. How are you doing with that today? 
What holds your heart? Are there things in your life that you've given your heart over to? Are there things in your life that your affections are being sucked dry in rather than giving that to the Lord? Now, the, the scripture is clear that the way that you can prove your love, the way that you show your love, the way Jesus showed his love was through sacrifice. Does your lifestyle exhibit sacrifice that proves to God that there is a, a holy love that you have for him today? That's the first commandment, to love God with all your heart. Second commandment, have no other gods before him. How are you doing with that? Has career become an idol? Has money become an idol? Have sports or hobbies become an idol in your life? Do you spend more time? Are your thoughts more consumed with those things than they are of the Lord? Because if they are, you have an idol that needs to be torn down, that you need to deal with, that needs to, to come crumbling down before the feet of the Lord today. Love the Lord your God. Have no idols. Don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain. How are you doing with that? Do you take God's name in vain? So how about the fourth one? to keep the Sabbath. How are you doing there? In our culture, our culture just does not value rest. On the contrary, actually, sometimes it frowns upon you if you feel like you need to take rest, if you feel like you need vacation, if you feel like you need rest. But in our order, in the way God created us, in our normal daily, weekly rhythms, God has built into us the need for rest, the need to withdraw from being busy, from having our schedules filled, from having our minds bombarded with information, just to take a rest so that we can reflect upon all that God has done and all that God wants to do in and through us. So how are you doing with those things? Again, are you living a godless life? Are you not paying attention to the fact of whether or not you're loving the Lord, whether or not you have idols built up in your life, that you're taking God's name in vain, or that you're keeping God's rest? The second description of those who are recipients of God's wrath, according to this text, Paul says, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness, verse 18, and unrighteousness of men. The unrighteous those will also be recipients of wrath. Again, this word deals with the horizontal relationships that we have with other people. The other six commandments, the first one, to honor your parents, to not murder, to not commit adultery, to not steal, to not lie, to not covet. How are you doing with those things? I want to point out to you in this moment that it's not just your actions that are important to the Lord. Your thoughts are important to the Lord. Yes, let me say that again. Your thought life matters to God. Jesus said in Matthew chapter five, you've heard it said that you shouldn't commit murder, but I'm telling you that if you have hatred in your heart towards your brother, you're in danger of judgment. Now let that sink in just for a moment because you might be struggling with bitterness or anger or resentment or hatred in your heart today. And you think, you know what? This isn't bothering anyone. This isn't hurting anyone. Well, you know what? That grieves God's heart. Jesus said, be careful if you harbor hatred in your heart towards your brother. It's not just those who commit murder. It's those who think ill will or have hatred of hate, uh, hate in their heart towards their fellow man. How about the second part of what Jesus said in Matthew chapter five? He says, you've heard it said that you shouldn't commit adultery, but I say that if anyone looks after a woman with lust in his heart, he's already committed adultery with that woman in his heart. Your thought life matters to God. Now, this is the way he put this to the religious leaders of the day, the scribes and the Pharisees. In Matthew chapter 23, he was telling them how hypocritical their religious activity was, that they said all the right things, but they really didn't follow through with their hearts. And in Matthew chapter 23, verses 27 and 28, this is what Jesus says. He says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you ones who put on a mask, you ones that are playing a part, you're going through the motions, you're acting like you're religious, you're acting like you love God, but your heart really isn't there. This is what he says. You are like whitewashed 
tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within you're full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Let me ask you the question. Do you appear to have it all together on the outside? You have the white picket fence, the dog in the yard, the happy little family, the two cars in the driveway or in the garage, and you feel like you really are, are putting on a show. You're putting on a, a, a show that people kind of look to and say, you know, that person really does have it all together. Well, Jesus would say, if your heart doesn't follow what your outside is, if your heart isn't clean, what good is the body being clean? You're just like a tomb that is nicely decorated on the outside, but you're just full of death. Your religion is dead. Now, Jesus is saying that this is for those who really aren't treating other people the right way that, you know, you say you walk a good walk or you talk a good talk, but you're really not walking a good walk. Where's your life at today? He goes on, he describes the ungodly and the unrighteous in Romans chapter one. And this is what he says. He says in uh, verse 18, again, that these men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth, the word suppress is a nautical term. It speaks of a captain at the helm of the ship who is holding fast to the wheel or to the rudder, driving the ship into the currents and into the wind. It is a word that speaks of stubbornness, that I'm going to go the direction that I want to go regardless of where the wind and the current is trying to take me. I'm going to go against the grain. I'm going to go against the current. I'm going to go against the wind. That's what the scripture says. That's what Paul says. Men are like who try to suppress the truth. They try to ignore what is there, what is plain, what is clearly evident, and they try to do their own thing. This is what the scripture says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. It says, the coming of the lawless one, speaking of the end times, the coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders. Listen to this. And with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refused to love the truth and so be saved. He goes on, therefore God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false in order that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Again, it speaks of a choice. You have a choice to love the truth and to follow after the truth or to love unrighteousness and follow after that wicked lifestyle. Now, Paul continues on in the book of Romans chapter 1. In verse 19, again, elaborating on these unrighteous, elaborating on these ungodly people who suppress the truth. He says, for what can be known about God is plain to them. It's evident to them because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and his divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. He says, these people, he goes on, he says, these, the, the, they they really uh, should be able to recognize the truth. They should be able to recognize the fact that there is a God looking down on them. When they look around at creation, that creation itself bears testimony to the fact that there is a creator. When you look to the stars, the scientists tell us that there are between 100 billion and 400 billion stars just in our galaxy alone. When you consider the vastness of the observable universe, scientists tell us that in any direction, the universe goes on for 93 billion light years. That's as far as they can measure. And to put that in perspective, a light year is a measurement that measures the distance that light can travel in a year. And scientists again tell us that light can travel six trillion miles in a year. So again, consider how vast the universe is. 93 billion light years, 93 billion times 600 trillion in every direction. That's how vast 
our universe is. Creation itself testifies. But if you want to reduce it to maybe something a little bit smaller that we can consider, consider the atom. The atom is comprised of uh, protons and neutrons that make up the nucleus and electrons that circle or orbit around that nucleus. The Protons are positively charged within the nucleus. The electrons are negatively charged outside of the nucleus. And so for years, scientists have pondered what keeps those protons from breaking out of the nucleus and attaching to those electrons, or what keeps those electrons from collapsing in on the nucleus to attach to the protons. Well, recently, scientists have discovered this protein that is known as a cellular adhesion molecule called laminin. Look at this picture of laminin. Laminin is in the shape of a cross. The scripture tells us in Colossians chapter one, that in Christ, all things are held together. This cellular adhesion molecule that is in the shape of a cross literally holds all matter together. Again, creation itself testifies to the fact that there is a creator. Now, what does Paul say because of this? Because it's been clearly evident. It's evident in all things that are made. What does this do? This leaves people, listen to this again in in verse 19, ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made, excuse me, verse 20, so that they are without excuse. God's wrath is upon those who are unexcused. That's your third point there. God's wrath for those who are unexcused. These men are without excuse. They shouldn't be able to deny the fact that there is a God that they have to answer to. Now listen to what this says because it goes on. And it says in verse 21, for although they knew God, that word knew means they had an experience with God. They recognized God. They, they had this understanding of who God was. The scripture even, even tells us in the book of James that even the demons believe and tremble. See, there's a difference between faith and saving faith. You have to place your faith wholeheartedly in the finished work of the cross. You can know and understand that there is a God and still not be saved if you don't exercise your faith in the finished work of the cross. Even the demons believed and they shuddered at the name of Christ. So it says here that they knew, they knew God. They're without excuse because they knew God, verse 21, and they chose, listen to this, they did not honor him as God, nor give thanks to him, but became futile in their thinking. They didn't honor God and they didn't thank God. They made a choice. They chose not to bring God their worship through the honoring of his name. And they chose not to be thankful or grateful for what God had provided in the finished work of the cross for them. They made a choice. They chose wrath. They chose the cup over the cross. Now it says there that, that they, they didn't honor him nor give thanks to him. They became futile. The word futile means empty or worthless in their thinking. Our minds are going all day long in our culture, but how much of those thoughts really matter for much? They became futile in their thinking. And it goes on saying, and their foolish hearts were darkened. This word darkened speaks of a moral decay. Jesus said this in John chapter three, he says, and this is the judgment. This is condemnation that light has come into the world and people love darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. How horrible that people see the light of the gospel. They see the light of Christ. They see God in all of his glory and they love their sinfulness. They love the darkness. They love their own moral decay more than they would love the light and the freedom that can be found in the gospel. But yet every day people make this choice to continue to dwell in the darkness of their sin rather than come into the light and the forgiveness and the mercy that can be found in the gospel. So they're 
futile thinking, their foolish hearts were darkened. Verse 22, claiming to be wise, they became fools. For all of the knowledge that we have in our world today, there sure are a lot of foolish people walking around. Knowledge will not make you intelligent. Knowledge will not make you wise. Wisdom is the application of knowledge. You have to know what to do with that knowledge in order to be wise. Now, Paul, in his text to 1 Corinthians, Pastor Walter quoted this last week. He said that the message, the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. You see, some things that the world looks upon in our faith, they look and they say, the cross, that makes no sense. Why would someone sacrifice? Why would someone die? Why would someone give up their life? That doesn't make sense. That's a foolish message. But for me, and for those of you who are watching this morning, who believe in this message, it is the power of God to save. So their foolish hearts were darkened. They became futile in their thinking. They claimed to be wise, but yet they became fools. Verse 23, they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. They built for themselves idols. And they carved and fashioned out of wood little creatures that they could put on their mantles, that they could come and they could bow to and to worship. And for whatever reason, man has this issue where man needs to try to reduce their gods into some form that they can comprehend and that they can, that they can understand. But I ask you this question. If we could truly understand the vastness of God, if we could understand a God who is outside of time, that is outside of space, that has no beginning and no end, if we could reduce him to an idol that we could put on a mantle and bow to, is that a God that is really worth worshiping? So that's what these people did. They brought him, they, they exchanged, they, they created these gods that they could worship. They fashioned these gods with their own hands. And he says, this just doesn't make sense. Why would you ex exchange the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man? It just makes no sense. So these are those upon whom the wrath of God will rest, the ungodly, the unrighteous, and the unexcused. And now we're going to come into a point in our text where we're going to be looking at those who have been delivered to destruction. Pick it up in verse 24 with me. It says, therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is to be blessed forever. Amen. God gave them up. That word literally is to deliver in the Greek. He took his hands off of them. He's not pushing, he's not prodding, he's not a puppet master. He's allowing these people to choose the cup over the cross if that's what they desire. Listen to me for again, just for a moment, just again. God is a gentleman and he will not force his will upon you. He gives you, he affords you the freedom of free will. You have the opportunity to choose whether or not you believe. But here in this text, he says very clearly that God takes his hands off. He delivers them, he surrenders them, if you will, to the lusts of their own hearts, to impurity. The word lust, it means to desire or to crave. And these lusts can take some sort of subtle fashions for some of us. For some of us, we can't have a bag of Oreos in the house or we're going to eat the whole thing. Why? Because we can't stop once we start. For some of us, these lusts or these cravings is in the form of some sort of a, an addiction that maybe is a little bit more socially acceptable. But how many of you really shouldn't have Amazon as an app on your phones because you just can't stop spending money? For others, it's maybe not so 
so subtle, like a bag of Oreos or an app on our phone. But for some of us, it's an outright addiction, addiction to, to sex, pornography, an addiction to alcoholism or some sort of a controlled substance. And we're given over to these things. Here, the word says that God is going to take his hands off. Look, I'm going to allow you to choose. You can choose me or you can choose to follow after your own lusts, your own desires, your own cravings, but the choice is yours. He says he gave them over to those, the, the, the cravings of their hearts to impurity. Now that word impurity, it means filth or uncleanness. And when you look around our culture today, our culture is filled with filth. It's embarrassing sometimes standing in line with my children when the, the tabloids and the, the magazines are there because of the pictures that are depicted. It's embarrassing sometimes to try to watch television when just the commercials come on. Our culture is surrounded with filth. Thanks for joining us today for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. The church office is open Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 590 West Orange Avenue in El Centro, or call 760-337-9400 for information or for prayer. Christ Community Church has three campuses in El Centro, Raleigh, and Calexico, plus a congregation in Spanish. As we navigate the end of the COVID-19 quarantine season and transition to in-person regathering, we encourage you to find up-to-date information about events and each campus's worship service schedule. When you follow us on social media, on our website at www.cccib.org or simply download the cccib app you'll find the direct link to the app at www.cccib.org forward slash get the app or when you text cccib app to 77977